This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. and crime. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into the latest headlines from around the country. But before we do that, don't forget you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Just search True Crime Never Sleeps. In our first headline, a polygamous cult leader, uh, Warren Jeffs' daughter, has broken free from the cult and has claimed that her false, the false prophet abused her. It was New Year's Eve 2014 when the daughter of polygamous cult leader Warren Jeffs finally broke free. Uh, she spoke to Fox News saying when she stepped out, she remembered thinking that she should have left sooner. Mother of Seven is coming forward in a new A&E docuseries, Secrets of Polygamy, which explores extreme polygamous groups across the country. It's going to feature uh, sit-downs with one of Jeffs' former wives and former members and investigators. Jeffs, who is now 68, was sentenced in 20, 2011 to life in prison after his conviction on two counts of child sex abuse in 2017. It's been really important to me to give a voice to the young girls who have been sexually abused. Polygamy is a legacy of the early teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The mainstream church abandoned the practice in 1890 and now strictly prohibits Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints broke away from the Mormon church and was formed so that members could continue practicing plural marriage. It was head- headquartered on the Utah-Arizona border. Jeff's father, Rulon Jeffs, took power in 1986 and ruled until he died in 2002 at 92. He left behind an estimated 75 widows and 65 children. Following his father's death, Warren Jeffs took over in the group as the group's prophet. In the FLDS, it is believed the prophet can speak directly to God Indirect witch males can enter heaven. The prophet can also perform marriages and assign wives to their husbands. In pleasing the prophet, loyal members are rewarded with more wives who belong to their spouses for eternity. Members believe that each man must have at least three wives. Blackmore said in the interview, quote, I think as a child, you don't realize when something is bad all the time. I think for a lot of us, that's how it was. I felt protected from the world. I was taught that the outside world was wicked. Jeffs has an estimated 78 wives and 53 biological children. Uh, Blackmore continued to say, quote, We had to wear sleeves on our ri- sleeves to our wrists and long dresses. Our hair had to be braided a certain way. And there were the continual teachings of polygamy where there was a leader, one man, and you never questioned him. 
We were taught that if you wanted to go to heaven, we had to live polygamy. We had to have sisters, wives, and marry a man. We were told to marry, not who we wanted to choose. All those restrictions were accepted, because that's all we knew. In the series, Blackmore claimed Jeff sexually molested her when she was eight years old. She noted that women and girls couldn't express anger or jealousy without endearing punishment. Instead, they had to be sweet. At 18, Blackmore was forced into an arranged marriage. Her husband already had two wives. They met for the first time on the day before their weddings. For years, Blackmore wondered what life was like in the outside world. She feared that her five children would endure the same abuse she did. One, one of her younger sisters confessed that she was also molested by Jeffs. Blackmore had enough. Blackmore and her children managed to leave the compound in secret. She said, quote, Didn't know how I was going to support five kids on my own. I'm not going to pretend that being free was easy. It wasn't. It was really hard. It's still a growing experience for me. I'm still learning how to make friends and live within a community. Uh, she said, I quote, remember experiencing Christmas and Easter for the first time. We never got to celebrate these things. I also wanted my children to celebrate their birthdays. I wanted to exchange gifts. I wanted them to go to a school and meet all kinds of people. I wanted them to experience what it was like to date. I never got to experience any of those things. There were so many firsts we didn't have in a cult. 2006, Jeffs, who was on the FBI's most wanted list, was arrested during a routine traffic stop near Las Vegas. He was booked on two out-of-state warrants issued in Utah and Arizona on charges of unlawful sexual con conduct with a minor and rape as an accomplice. According to prosecutors, Jeffs engaged in sexual abuse with two girls ages 12 and 14. A key piece of evidence against Jeffs was an audio recording of him instructing his spiritual bride, as well as several other girls, on how to please him sexually. In 2007, Jeff tried to hang himself in a Utah jail. He was force-fed in an Arizona jail in 2009. Then, in 2011, he was sentenced to life in prison. That same year, he was put in a medically induced coma after fasting behind bars. Some followers of FLDS still consider Jeffs to be their prophet and that he was wrongfully convicted. But over the years, the group has lost hundreds of members who either left or were cast out. Now on to our next topic. The famous Paralympian Oscar Pistorius has now been released from prison just three years early. South Africa's former Paralympic star Oscar Pistorius is finally tasting freedom after nearly a decade behind bars for murdering his girlfriend. He shot his girlfriend multiple times through a bathroom door in 2013, claiming he mistook her for a burglar. However, the former professional sprinter was found guilty of the crime and sentenced to 13 years and 5 months. After serving 10 years of prison, Pistorius was released on parole with strict conditions. An arrangement, the victim's mother welcomed but stressed that no punishment could ever fill the hole of her daughter's absence. Under South African law, all convicts are entitled to parole under certain conditions and are considered eligible once they have served half their total sentence. Pistorius' early release comes three years shy of completing his 13-year and 5-month term. But leaving his prison cell did not automatically grant the double amputee athlete complete freedom. As we mentioned, he won't live under strict conditions with much of his time spent indoors until his sentence expires in 2029. For specific hours of the day, Pistorius will be confined in his home where he is not allowed to speak to the media or consume alcohol. He must also attend therapy to deal with issues relating to gender-based violence and anger. Following his release, the former Olympic gold medalist is believed to have sought refuge at his uncle's house. 
This relative reportedly lives in an upmarket suburb in Pretoria. It's still being determined if this is where Pistorius plans to live out the remainder of his sentence. While Pistorius figures out his life, he owes part of his early release to his late girlfriend's mother. In a statement, uh, the mother noted that she accepted the decision to release her daughter's killer since the since her family has always said has always known that parole is part of the South African legal system. She heartily welcomed the strict conditions placed on Pistorius and noted that the law must take its course. Despite accepting these terms, June stressed that nothing could ever make her daughter's absence right. In her words, quote, Has there been justice? Has Oscar served enough time? There can never be justice if your loved one is never coming back, and no amount of time served will bring our daughter back. We who remain behind are the ones serving a life sentence. She uh, continued saying, uh, quote, My only desire is that I'll be allowed to live my last years in peace, with my focus remaining on the family foundation to continue Reba's legacy. Before his release, the South African Department of Correctional Services announced that Pistorius would be granted parole in November 2023. They noted that he was released early after parole board reviewed his case. They dropped the news via a statement on social media um, saying the Department of Correctional Services confirms parole placement for Mr. Oscar Pistorius effective January 5th, 2024. The Correctional Services Department stressed the importance of parole placement as part of the rehab program to deal with offending behavior. They also noted authorities would keep an eye on Pistorius until he finishes his sentence, saying, quote, Mr. Pistorius will complete the remainder of the sentence in the system of community corrections and will be subjected to supervision in compliance with parole conditions until his sentence expires. The news evoked fan sympathy with many calling for Pistorius to be released sooner. Some were saying, let the man go. Why are you still keeping him until January? Someone also commented, he served his time. Now he can go back to running, continue his career, get a new girl, have a family, life goes on. Additionally, sources noted Pistorius's parole conditions included therapy because his late girlfriend's mother had expressed concerns about his huge anger issues. In a letter to the parole board, June, June uh, the girlfriend's mother, noted she was worried about the safety of any woman who would encounter her daughter's killer after the release. And now on to our next topic. Very interesting topic. The Ukrainian orphan Natalia Grace continues to deny a plot to murder her American adoptive parents who believe she's masquerading as a child. Uh, Excuse me. Natalia Grace, a Ukrainian orphan with dwarfism whose adopted parents claim she pretended to be a child and terrorized their family, told a very different story in a series of interviews that have aired this week. On a, a series called The Curious Case of Natalia Grace, Natalia Speaks, aired on Investigation Discovery, answered some lingering questions about the bizarre case and shocked producers with additional uncertainties that may prompt a follow-up. Natalia Speaks is one of those projects where the further they dig in, the more twists and turns they uncover. One thing that's always proven to be true with Natalia's story, nothing is ever what it seems. Natalia Grace is now 22 years old, and according to a new blood test, a Ukrainian orphan with dwarfism spoke out against her adoptive parents, claiming she masqueraded as an adult. 
The six-episode series is a follow-up to its counterpart released in May, which focused on the claims of her adoptive parents. Due to flooding at the Ukrainian hospital where she was born, she has no birth certificate to legally identify, identify her age. Adding to the confusion, FBI Special Agent Kenneth Maxwell told producers the judge who handled the girl's adoption proceedings was later terminated for corruption. Go figure. Uh, Natalia's birth mother, um, Anna, said in interviews that she gave her daughter up for adoption due to her disability. The Indiana couple adopted Natalia in April 2010, believing she was a six-year-old. But after six months of alleged strange behavior, parents claimed they began to suspect that her daughter was an adult woman scamming their family. Natalia has a form of dwarfism, giving her a small frame that left her true age a mystery without medical testing. According to the earlier docuseries, Natalia hoarded knives, placed thumbtacks facing upwards so the family would step on them unwittingly, and at one point, elected to poison her adopted mother with pine salt. But in her most recent interview, Natalia attempted to clear her name, saying, quote, In every lie is a hidden truth, but you gotta dig enough to be able to see it. They're not going to get away with this. This is my side of the story. Do I look like a monster to you? The family successfully petitioned a court in Marion County to change Natalia's birth year from, 20, uh, from 2003 to 1989, making her legally 22. They moved her into an apartment in Lafayette, Indiana, according to the documentary, and moved with their three biological sons to Canada. There, neighbors noticed that the new renter struggled with everyday household tasks and often went hungry. Through a blood sample via True Diagnostic and Medical Lab specialized in um, biological aging, producers of the series determined Natalia is 22 years old, disputing her legal age of 34. And a possible explanation of the Barnett's motivation to change Natalia's age, documentaries assert that the couple wanted to exploit the girl for money. Their son Jacob um, inspired Christine Barnett's book about raising her son with autism and his academic achievements which earned a $600,000 advance and had a pending movie deal, according to the documentary. But when the girl was tested and found to be of average intelligence, legal expert hypothesized in the series that the couple plotted to have her removed from the home. Uh, Natalia was committed to LaRue Carter in Indiana Mental Hospital in June 2012, but the facility quickly determined she wasn't mentally unstable. She was quickly sent to a halfway house where she called her adoptive parents and told them she was afraid to live with drug addicts. Cole Barnett told producers that they took the girl back to avoid negative appearances if the girl was harmed. But Natalia, who confronted her adoptive father in the last episode of the new series, claimed she was abused by the couple. She was pepper sprayed three times and Christine once gave her three times her prescribed dose of heart medication in an attempt to kill her. Two weeks before the series was slated to air and six months after they formally adopted her, the couple made a frantic call to producers, saying, quote, Something ain't right with Natalia. Bishop Mann said an audio clip aired in the last 90 seconds of the series. This girl is tweaking. I feel like she is the enemy of the house. And she said to us, we have held her hostage. We're done. We're done with her. Natalia is stabbing her family in the back over a complete lie. So they say. The Curious Case of Natalia Grace is available for streaming via HBO Max and Discovery Plus. And now on to our next topic. 
police have arrested the stepmother of a man accused of murdering the pregnant teen and her boyfriend in San Antonio. One week after her father and son were arrested in connection to the double homicide of a pregnant teen and her boyfriend, the San Antonio Police Department announced a third arrest of a woman believed to be the suspected shooter's stepmother. Earlier this month, Christopher Ray uh, Preciado was charged with capital murder in connection to the death of Savannah Soto and her boyfriend, Matthew Guerrero. He is also charged in separate cases with abuse of a corpse and with altering, destroying, concealing a human corpse. His father, Ramon, who was brought out in a perp walk just before his son, was charged with abuse of a corpse after allegedly helping his son discard the vehicle with a couple of dead bodies inside. He's also charged with altering, destroying, concealing a human corpse, per his court records. Now, Murta uh, Romanos, who lived with a father and son, has been arrested and charged with three felonies. Abuse of a corpse, tampering of evidence, and altering, destroying, or concealing a human corpse. Tossed towel seen in video surveillance footage suggested a third person's involvement in the capital murder case. Wearing a baggy black t-shirt and red pajama pants, Romanos uh, kept her head down as police officers escorted her through a gag of reporters asking questions in English and Spanish. She was quiet as she ducked into the back of an SUV and driven away from the police station. Soto was first reported missing in Leon Valley, Texas by family December 23rd after the overdue mother missed her induction appointment, according to police and her previous missing persons report. Investigators located the couple's missing silver Kia Optima at an apartment building parking lot on Danny K Drive in San Antonio the day after Christmas. Police found Soto and Guerrera inside, both shot to death. San Antonio Police Chief William McManus said earlier in the investigation, evidence suggested that the shooter had pressed a gun to Guerrera's head, then pulled the trigger, according to the chief. Police have said the couple's execution-style death seems to be linked to a botched drug deal, although they have provided few details if the alleged, of the alleged transaction. Romanos told police that the gun used in the couple's shooting belonged to her. Last week, Washington, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Washington Moscow of the San Antonio Police Department said at a press conference that the father and son were the only suspects they were looking for. Noting extensive uh, social media speculation on the high-profile murders, the lieutenant amended Wednesday that the department had long believed Romanos to be involved in the case but could not bring her in at the time of the father and son's arrest. that placed Romanos in the black pickup truck allegedly used by the family in the commission of the crime. None of the three suspects have pleaded to the charges per their online court records, and a series of pre-hearings have been slated for each one. Christopher is scheduled to next be in court February 5th for the charge of capital murder involving multiple people. Both father and son will be in court the following day on other charges. Romanos, per her online records, has three separate pre-hearings slated beginning January 30th. And now on to our next topic. A Virginia Fisherman has been identified as the Colonial, Colonial Parkway murderous serial killer, which haunted the community for years. Virginia Fisherman ran a small business while he murdered at least three people in the late 80s, and he took his secrets to the grave. Alan Wilmer Sr. was tied to the 1987 murders of David Nobling 
Robin Edwards in the Isle of Wight, the 1989 homicide of Teresa Lynn Howell in Hampton, Virginia. The case was called the Colonial Parkway Murders, which became a sinister true crime story whose ending was replaced by decades of 30s. That suddenly changed with a major breakthrough earlier this week. When Virginia State Police said DNA advances tied Wilmer to all three homicides, but he died nearly seven years ago. Alan Wilmer Sr. was responsible for the Colonial Parkway murders and was 63 when he died um, in 2017. He lived his life under the radar and spent most of his time fishing for clams and oysters on his custom-built wooden boat that was often docked at marinas in the counties of Middlesex and Gloucester, according to police. He lived in Lancaster County, Virginia, about two and a half hours north of the murders, and didn't have a criminal record. He also ran a business called Better Tree Service and was known as an avid hunter. Wilmer took his death, uh, deadly secrets to the grave, but the Isle of White County and City of Hampton Commonwealth's attorneys confirmed that if not for Wilmer's death, charges would be filed against him in connection with the three homicides. Bodies of Nobling and Edwards were found with bullet holes September 23, 1987, along the shoreline of the Ragged Island Wildlife Management and Refuge Area on the south bank of the James River. They were last seen alive together the night of September 19, 1987. Two years later, on July 1, 1989, Howell left the Zodiac Club around 2.30 a.m. Construction crew found her clothes about eight hours later, and her body was found as a Jane Doe in a nearby wooded area. She was identified after a July 4, 1989 missing person report was filed in York County. Ellen Wilmer Sr. would have been charged if he had been alive. As of today, Wilmer Sr. is tied to these three murders, but investigators continue to look into other potential crimes he may have committed. Uh, law enforcement released photos of Alan Wilmer Sr.'s vehicles as it continues to investigate other potential crimes he may have committed. Lieutenant Colonel Tim Leon, director of the Virginia State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigation, thanked the victims' families for their patience after announcing DNA tied Wilmer to the murders. Wilmer was 5'5", muscular, and weighed about 165 pounds. He had sandy brown hair, blue eyes, and would sport a close cropped beard. He drove a distinctive blue 1966 Dodge um, Fargo pickup with the Virginia license plate EMRAW. Dodge was just one of several pickups Wilmer was known to drive in the 1980s and early 90s. Anyone who may have worked with Alan Wilmer or hunted with him, farmed oysters and clams with him, docked next to him at marinas in the Northern Neck, Hampton Roads, or Middle Peninsula areas, or hung out with him, are encouraged to contact the FBI by calling 1-800-CALL-FBI. Anonymous tips can be sent online at tips.fbi.gov. You can also reach out to the Virginia State Police by emailing at questions at vsp.virginia.gov. And that is all the headlines we have for this episode. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the headlines we've discussed. Give us a thumbs up if you like our video. But before we do that, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Birch Gold. In an ever-changing financial world, securing your future is crucial. Birch Gold Group offers that security. They've been trusted in precious metals and specialize in helping you diversify your portfolio. With gold and silver, you can safeguard your savings against market vote uh, volatility. Join the th thousands who have uh, found peace of mind with Birch Gold's expertise. Their dedicated specialists can guide you every step of the way, making investing simple and secure. 
Birch Gold Group is your partner in precious metals investing. Investing. Secure your future today. Use the link in the description. You can get a free info kit. And of course, please give us a thumbs up if you like our video. Hit that subscribe button, the bell notification button to be notified of future videos. And leave a comment in the comments section below, whatever you want to say. And of course, uh, if you want to support the channel even more, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, bring new hosts, be able to pay them, and one day take this show on the road. So as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps.